Thank you for joining us on the Hope Church LV podcast. We're excited that you came across this message. If you're joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say, welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit hopechurchlv.com and click connect with us to fill out a short digital connection card. Once again, thank you for joining us today. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Once again, thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the sermon. Praise you, Lord. Ooh, if you can't preach after that, you can't preach. (laughs) Okay, so we are going just to continue in worshiping God through the preaching of God's word. How does that sound? All right, well, I want to say uh, once again, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, for welcoming my wife and I to Hope Church. You have been so kind. I want to say a special welcome to the online Hope Church family. Let's give our online family a big round of applause joining us this weekend. I am so excited to uh, and have been praying that God would speak not only to the folks gathered here physically, but also to the virtual audience as well. So we welcome you and we thank you for being here. Um, I, as the lead pastor of prayer and teaching ministries, uh, have the opportunity to explore tonight the topic of the Lord's Prayer. And it was so awesome last week for those of you who were with us to take a look at, for an entire service, uh, the Lord's Supper. Uh, an ordinance and something we do to remember what Jesus did for us and to understand the purposes of that uh, time that we have together all in one service. And so this week, we're going to take, I believe, uh, another piece of something that God has given us, the Lord's Prayer, that oftentimes can be taken for granted. Something that we're familiar with, something that we know all the words to, Uh, If you've been around church for any length of time, for my friends who have grown up in a Catholic tradition, you'll be very familiar with this prayer. And so we're going to explore that tonight. But before we do, I just want to let you know, uh, if you've been here for a while, you know this about your church already. But I know in a room of this size and across this weekend, there'll be many people who are checking out hope for the first time. Is this a church that I want to be a part of? Maybe you've been here for a couple months and you find yourself feeling it out. And is is this the place I want to call home? And what I want to do right off the bat before getting into the text is I just want to talk through some of the things that I've heard from your church leadership as it relates to how they feel about prayer. And what their heart is around prayer. Because, because they have this heart, uh, I, I when, when I received the invitation to come here, this was a big reason why I came. I didn't come because, oh, this is a church that needs a bunch of help as it relates to prioritizing prayer. I came because this is already a church who prioritizes prayer. And what a privilege for me to come alongside that and help take us to the next level. How many of you are interested in going to the next level in what God has for this house as it relates to prayer? So here's some of the things I've heard. Uh, Our senior pastor, Vance, he said these things many times. The first one is this here. God in his sovereignty has chosen to limit his activity to the prayers of his people. How many of you have heard Pastor Vance say something like that before? 
for whatever reason, God has chosen in his holiness and sovereignty to limit what he does to how his people pray. You've got to ask Vance what that means because I don't, but, but what we do know is I don't know why it all works that way, but for some reason, God chooses to limit his activity to our prayers. One other thing you've probably heard around here, when we seek God in prayer, we experience God in power. And how many of you would agree that, that when I've sought God in prayer, I've experienced his power in my life. I've seen him move. And then I think the one that is most said around here and the one that I love the most is, is this. We don't pray before we work. Hey, let's just all say it together. Come on. It's one of our favorites. We don't pray before we work. Prayer is the work. Then God works. And I hope you friends online, you said that with us too. This is the heart of this house. How many of you are thankful for that? That prayer is the work. Now, every time I preach, you're going to get to know that I like to preach with a burden. I like to preach with a conviction, something that breaks my heart that I, I hope breaks your heart and causes you to lean in to what's being talked about. And what breaks my heart, though this church leadership has this type of passion for prayer, here's my burden. A lifestyle of consistent, passionate prayer is not the reality of many followers of Jesus Christ. It's just not the reality. It's the desire of the leadership of this house, but it's not the reality of many of us if we're being honest and you would say, hey, you don't know me. <laughs> how can you tell me how passionate I am about prayer? Well, let me just tell you this. It's not only the condition of this house, but it was the condition of the church that I uh, pastored there in Oakland. Let me just tell you, not all pastors have a lifestyle of consistent, passionate prayer. And I, I don't mean to burst your bubble about pastors, but let me just tell you, not all of us are passionate about prayer. So hopefully you have a praise in your heart even now that you have pastors who are passionate about this. But this is my burden. I'm not going to have anybody raise hands to say if this is you, don't worry. But Why? Why is there a lack of passion, a lack of consistency when it comes to our prayer lives? Let me just put a few examples on the screen here. And maybe before we get into the text, you can identify with maybe some of these reasons why prayer might be difficult, why in your life prayer is not sustained. For some, it's just inconvenient. Prayer is the work. Work. <laughs> So it takes time to actually pray and seek the Lord. And so for some of you, for being honest, and this was me for much of my life, man, it's just inconvenient. It's intimidating. Come on, if we're being honest, praying. How do I pray to God? He's God. I don't know if I'm worthy. Come on, praying out loud in front of people. Come on, anybody, anybody. Like, I'm not praying out loud. I don't want anyone to hear how I talk to God. No one taught me how to do this. It's insignificant. It doesn't matter. Man, I, I, I've grown up in church and listened to a ton of sermons in my lifetime. And I remember as many sermons would close, the application point would be to pray and to read the Bible. <laughs> and I remember, I, oh, no, not prayer again. Can there be another application point? 
Like, that's too easy. Duh, give me something harder or give me something I haven't tried yet. Why? Because I saw it as insignificant. Come on, I think if we're being honest, we've all felt at one time or another that prayer was insufficient. It's not enough. Come on, when we see these mass shootings, right, and you see the posting going on 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 social media, and we say pray, 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 and people are saying, stop praying, enough praying, prayer is enough. We need reform. And I'm not saying that maybe some of those things aren't true, but what I am saying is we could all get to a place where we feel like in our lives, Prayer is insufficient to heal my marriage. Prayer is insufficient to help set me free from this besetting sin. Surely, surely, surely i got to try harder. Prayer is insufficient to help me through my anxiety. Like, surely, surely, I need something else other than prayer. Can any of you identify with some of these things? Oh, nobody? Oh, God, I don't know. Maybe ineffective, it doesn't work. I remember for, and my wife's here tonight, and in many years in the beginning part of our marriage, man, there were so many prayers around, Lord, just help us financially. Can you help break through just financially? And it's so funny because some of those prayers, it's like, well, you're the one who made the bad financial choice, and now you're asking me to get you out of it. But, but for so long, I felt like those prayers weren't answered. And so for much of my Christian life, been walking with Jesus, I don't know, 25 years or something like that. And I think really it's, it's almost, it's comical that I'm the lead pastor of prayer and teaching ministry. Can I just be honest? I've only really loved and engaged in passionate prayer for like three or four years. <laughs> it's amazing what God can do in a short amount of time. And here's what I've found, and maybe... Prayerfully, tonight can be a moment for you where prayer takes a turn. Because here's what I've found. Prayer feels way less inconvenient, intimidating, insignificant, insufficient, and ineffective when you pray rightly. The reason why prayer was so difficult for me for so long was because I wasn't praying in the way that Jesus taught us to pray. I wasn't praying in the fullness of the pattern that Jesus laid out for his disciples when they asked him, how do we pray? So here's the tension question. The question we're going to lean into tonight, and I believe the scriptures answer very clearly. What is the right way to pray? How can I pray in a way that brings me fullness, joy, and satisfaction? Now the good news is, is Jesus answers this question directly. He doesn't answer a lot of things that we would like answered about our lives. Someone say amen (laughs) directly. But he answers this one directly. I want to take you first into a passage in uh, the book of Luke. Luke was a doctor who set out to write an orderly account of Jesus' life. And in this particular situation, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, he answered the question directly. How do we pray? When you pray, say. And in the book of Luke there, there is another version of the Lord's Prayer. We're going to look at the version in Matthew, and let's look at that real quick here. Pray then like this is what Jesus says. After multiple ways of how not to pray, Jesus says, pray then like this. And 
I love Pastor Tom and how he helps all of the teaching team with the Greek and the Hebrew. And he helped us to understand this week that this pray then like this, in the Greek language, it's a present imperative. What does that mean? That we are to obey it continually, often, always. And so this wasn't just a pattern of prayer for the disciples to pray way back when. It's the pattern of prayer that Jesus followers for all time should follow. And so with that said, let's open up, if you have your Bibles, to Matthew 6. If you don't have your Bibles, no worries. The scriptures are going to be on the screen. But together as one, why don't we read this passage of scripture and this prayer that we're so familiar with. Pray then like this. Let's go together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of God. This is the pattern of prayer that Jesus laid out for his disciples. And um, this, from this passage, here's my outline for today. Here's where we're going. I want to give you five R's for praying the right way. Right out of the text, five words that start with the letter R that can help us navigate praying rightly. Then we're going to close quickly with three immediate applications, and then we're going to focus our attention on the good news of Jesus Christ, and then we'll get you out of here. How does that sound? <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Let's try this. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. There you go. Okay, so the first R is relationship. Relationship is the pattern to, to see prayer in relationship. Let's go back to the text. Our Father in heaven. Jesus doesn't teach us to pray to a judge. He doesn't teach us to pray to a master. Now, is God judge? Yes. Is God master? Yes. Is he all these other things? Yes. But in God's sovereignty, Jesus taught us to pray to him as Father. Now, I love this, but it's our Father in heaven. What does that mean? Well, it's sacred. He's in heaven. But you don't have to be scared. Because he's our father. Sacred, but you don't have to be scared. But I know in a room of this size, folks joining us online, maybe many of you have a hard time praying to God as father, relating to God as father, because the relationship you had with your father isn't one you like to think about. It's difficult for you. Maybe you don't even have a father. So, so to relate to God as father is difficult. So what I want to do for you really quickly here is I just want to paint a portrait for you of how you're supposed to perceive God as father. And this portrait that we see is also found in the book of Luke. For those of you who are familiar with the scriptures, you know the story of the prodigal son. For those of you who are not, this is a, a parable of uh, a young man who requested his wealth and his inheritance from his father while he was still alive. The father gave it to him. The young man spent it all on crazy living and gets to this point in his life where he's eaten from the trough of pigs and he comes to his senses, the scripture says, and he returns back to his father. And Luke writes about the heart of the father 
And hopefully we could see our heavenly father with this heart, even though we may not have an earthly father who had this heart towards us. Let's take a look. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. This is the way we're supposed to relate to God when we pray. I want to say it this way as it relates to relationship. You are to perceive yourself as a loved and cherished child of God. And maybe prayer has been difficult for some of us because we have not seen ourselves when we pray as approaching a father who loves us and cherishes us and longs to embrace us regardless of what we've done. Here's the question to consider. I'm going to ask one for each of the five R's. When you approach God in prayer, do you relate to him more as a merciful and compassionate father eager to receive you or as an angry and disappointed judge waiting to scold you? How could our prayer lives be changed if we saw him as a father just waiting to receive us? Is that helpful for anyone so far? Say amen. Amen. Second R, reverence. Reverence. The passage goes on to say, hallowed be your name. Other translations say, may your name be kept holy. After identifying with God as our Father, we praise Him for who He is. We revere Him for His holiness. This is actually a petition To say, Lord, may your name be holy in my life. May the way I live make your name holy. May the way I talk make your name holy. May I contend for your holiness in the world. And so just to give you a picture of this, well, what does this look like? I want to take you into the throne room of God. Isaiah the prophet in the Old Testament, he has this vision of the throne room of God, and and what we see is is a group of angelic beings praising and revering God. Let's take a look at it. In the year that King Uzziah died, I, this is Isaiah the prophet, saw the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple, and above him stood the seraphim, these angelic beings with six wings. With two he covered his feet, two he flew, and one called to another and said, Holy Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. How much of your prayers, church family, are filled with the words, holy, holy, holy are you, God Almighty. When all is said and done, the picture is shown in Revelation. Every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every creed is going to be gathered around the throne of God, singing and saying and proclaiming what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I'm telling you, friends, if you do not have any passion for proclaiming the holiness of God in your everyday prayers, you're not going to like heaven very much. Because this is all we're going to be doing. And so if this doesn't bring you joy now, something's wrong. If you need more than proclaiming the holiness of God in your prayer time, we might need to evaluate how we approach prayer and what prayer really is for us. I say it this way as it relates to reverence. 
praise God for his character and attributes and thank him for the blessings that flow from his character. He's holy, he's mighty, he's just, he's merciful. And prayerfully, you see the rhythm of us doing that. In our times of corporate prayer together, we start with revering God. I love the way C.S. Lewis puts it in his reflections on the Psalms. He says this, except where intolerably adverse circumstances interfere, praise almost seems to be inner health made audible. Hoo-wee. Inner health made audible. What is he saying? Your ability to praise God is a reflection of the health of your spirituality. How healthy are we, Hope Church? If our praise puts a spotlight on the health of our walk with Jesus, how are we doing? Here's the question to consider here. Are your prayers dominated more by words that express a desire for your needs to be met or for God's character to be exalted? Come on, I'm talking to you, friends. I just love over these next several years, we're just going to talk to each other up here. Is that okay? We're just going to grow together. What is it more about, your needs being met or the name of God being exalted? Let's move on to number three. I got to keep this thing moving. Response. Response After we've related to God as Father, after we've revered Him as holy, there's only one proper response. Lay it all down at His feet. What does Jesus teach us to pray? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And let me just tell you, as I've pastored over the years and discipled folks over the years, I think this is the area that we need the most help with. Man, if, if you added a humble response of not my will but your will be done to the content of your prayers, it would change everything. What do I mean by response? I'll say it this way. To posture yourself in humility by surrendering your will and your ways to him. Everything changed for me in my prayer life. When I started saying, because I had prayed for so long, like, God, do this and do this and move in my life and set me free and do this and do this. And for whatever reason, I just, none of it really ever worked. But when I started praying, okay, and it wasn't because I was holy, because I was desperate. And I said, God, I don't want what I want from my life anymore. I don't want what I want. I don't want what I think I want. I just want what you want for my life. Can I tell you, when I got to that place more often than not, prayer always worked for me. Why? Because in that moment... I didn't have to wait for a prayer to be answered because I was worshiping and adoring and laying myself down in humility before a king who is worthy. King who is worthy. Um, let, let's look at a couple passages that show this idea of surrender. Back into the throne room account and vision that Isaiah had. He said, woe is me. Once he saw God in that way with the train of his robe filling the temple, holy, 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 the only proper response for Isaiah was to say, woe is me. I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Notice this. 
His humility came on the heels of seeing the king. That's why reverence is so important, friends. That's why you have to cry holy, 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 because you're not going to surrender to someone you don't see as perfect. But when you see him as perfect, you'll lay everything down. When you see him as sovereign, you'll lay everything down. So that's the picture of humility. Let me show you the picture and the verse that very clearly tells us, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Not my will, but your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Here's the question to consider as we keep this thing moving. When you pray, are you more concerned with God's agenda in the world or with your agenda for your life? Just asking you some questions here, friends. <laughs> Everything changes in prayer when God's agenda becomes your priority. All right, let's keep it moving. The fourth R, the one you've been waiting for. Yes, requests. Round of applause for requests. Come on, we're excited. Finally, 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 you get to ask them for stuff. Enough of this other stuff. Where does the asking come in? Request, let's look at it. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Commentators say that in this one verse, what we have is every single physical and relational need that we as human beings and followers of Christ have all in one sentence. Give us this day our daily bread. That's our physical needs. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's our relational needs. Let me put it on the screen here as it relates to the request. Petition God for both your physical needs and your relational needs. Not just with others, but with God. Forgive us our debts. That's the relational need of living a clean, blameless life before God. Receiving forgiveness as we forgive our debtors. That's the relationships we have with others. There's a lot I could say about requests. But as I was preparing, the Lord put it on my heart to speak specifically to our relationship with him. This idea of asking the Lord to forgive us our debts. Um, R.C. Sproul, commentator, he says it this way, forgiveness is the only way we could stand in the presence of God. Proverbs says it this way, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. What do I want to say here? What I want to say here is for much of my life, I was hesitant to pray bold, audacious prayers. I was timid to pray because I neglected to repent. There were sins in my life. In any time I have had sins in my life that I have not addressed with the Lord in prayer and asked for forgiveness, I tend to, to put myself on timeout. Come on, can anyone, anyone over here in this area know what it's like to put yourself on timeout before the Lord? I need to be a good boy for a little bit before I ask him for something. Come on, husbands. Let me just talk to the husbands for a minute. You get in that fight with your wife, and it's your fault because it's always our fault. Come on, somebody. 
And, and we know we're in the wrong, and we don't ask God for forgiveness for the way we raised our voice, for the tone we had, for the disrespect, for the lack of serving and being selfless. Wives, don't nudge your husbands just yet. Don't nudge them just yet. But I know times in my life where I've neglected to go to the Lord and ask for forgiveness, I tend to be shy with my prayers, shy with my requests. I, I want to say it this way. Impotent prayers are many times the result of unrepentant sin. I think that's what it's been for me over my life. But when I came to my father who receives me, come on, somebody. When I came as a prodigal son to my father and said, Lord, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, then I could boldly approach the throne of grace and say, help me, help me, help me. I want to say it one other way here. Amen. Humble repentance before God precedes bold requests of God. Humble repentance precedes bold requests. Here's the question to consider. Coming for your living rooms here. What current sin of yours, if confessed, would free you to pray bolder, more audacious prayers? And not just the sins of commission. I'm so thankful Pastor Scott, he taught us about the sins of omission. What things have you failed to do? Come on, I'm coming for your living room. Since Pastor Scott preached that message, and you're still hemming and hawing. You're still, you were supposed to have that conversation. You were supposed to send that email. And you know that, and that's why you're not praying bold prayers. Because God's already told you what he wants you to do. So you'll have a time at the end of service <laughs> to deal with that. And receive the grace and love and compassion of Almighty God. How many of you are excited for that moment later on? Praise God. Praise God. Got to wrap this thing up with readiness. He teaches his disciples to close their prayers by saying, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. When we talk about readiness, what we're talking about is preparing yourself for the spiritual warfare that awaits you. I wonder when we pray, how much time do we invest preparing ourselves for what we know is going to happen when we're finished praying? Uh, I love this passage in Ephesians. It talks about the armor of God, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the Spirit, and in all these weapons of our warfare, what does Paul write to the Ephesians? He says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert. Everyone say it. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. How alert are we, friends? Are we alert? Are we sleep? <laughs> are you alert? of the fiery darts that the enemy wants to throw your way, or are you presuming that you're going to be all right? Question to consider. What temptations of the enemy do you need to pray that God would keep and protect you from? As we leave tonight, as you leave in the morning for work, praise you, God, help me with my boss, God, all the things, yes, 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 and then... Deliver me from this evil. Deliver me from this evil. Let me put the five back on the screen here as we wrap this up. 
how would I pray this right now before you? Just want to model this relationship. Man, God's my father. Right now, I'm his loved and cherished child. He loves me. He cherishes me. He's holy. God, you're holy. May your name be kept holy. As people leave here today, may it not be about Edward's name, but it's all about your name. You are holy, God. And because you are holy, my response is your kingdom come, your will be done. As I look out on these people and as I speak to the people online, I don't want my will for your life to be done. Whatever God wants to do. Because, God, I know I have some ideas of how I'd like people to respond today. But may your kingdom come. May your will be done. And, Lord, forgive me, my dead, if there's any pride and arrogance in me as I stand here and preach this word. Lord, forgive me. And, Lord, I ask this request of you that you would speak by the power of your spirit, that you would move but, Lord, lead me not into the temptation. Lead me not into the temptation of being prideful. If there are some positive things that are said about this message, lead me not into the temptation of being destroyed. If people are critical of how I've gone about doing what I'm doing this weekend. Lord, lead me not into the temptation of fearing man and their opinion but deliver me from the evil one. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, amen. Just a model of how you can go about doing that. That's, that's real. I, that wasn't like a joke. I'm really praying that right now. Let's shut this thing down. Three applications, three ways to apply this message as we prepare our hearts to leave this place. Number one, would you take some time this weekend to evaluate your own prayer life? Let's put these R's up here one more time. And maybe even now, you just take a moment to evaluate how, what do you do well as it relates to prayer? Put the five up there. What do you do well? Relationship, reverence, response, request. Man, I do, I do relationship really well. I really see God as my father. I request well. <laughs> Whatever it is. Oh, I think I, think I struck the nerve. Everyone, I think I know where y'all are at. What is it for you that you struggle with and you would say, you know what, I need to put some attention on this. Maybe my prayer life has been lacking because I have not been leaning in to the fullness of the pattern of prayer that Jesus himself laid out for his followers. I've been neglecting readiness. I've been neglecting praying passionately your kingdom come. Your will be done. That's the first way you could apply this message. I don't want us to be hearers of the word this weekend. I want us to be doers of the word. So after some evaluation, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Teach it and try it this week. Uh, we've prepared on your way out uh, these little cards with the Lord's Prayer on one side. And, and these five R's for praying rightly on the other side. Just a tool to help you, small group leaders, volunteers, parents. Just a tool to help you pray rightly more often in the fullness of how Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. 
Can you imagine how your homes would change if you prayed in these ways with your spouse, prayed in these ways with your kids, single folks listening, tuning in, the way you prayed this with your friends and your small group? How could our passion for prayer Lifted to a whole nother level if we just started praying the way Jesus taught us to pray. Lastly here, I just want to encourage those of you who may be listening this weekend, who, who find yourself passionate about what I'm talking about, to contact us. If you're passionate about leading Hope Church to grow as a praying church, I'm looking for some people. I'm looking for some people who, as you hear me preach, it just leaps in your heart. This is my heart's desire. I've been doing this at Hope. I want to rally around this. And email us at prayer at hopechurchlv.com. And we are going to receive those emails. And I am so excited. We are going to get to work. We are going to get to work on making this more of a house of prayer for all of the nations. Amen? Now, I told you I was going to close with one glorious gospel. Every time I preach, I want to be sure that we put the emphasis and the oomph on the right thing. Come on, somebody. And so let me say it this way, and we'll wrap this up. Praying the right way isn't how you are made right with God. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ isn't that Jesus taught us how to pray. It's very helpful, and to God we say thank you very much. But praying the right way isn't how salvation is found. But... Praying the right way had much to do with how Jesus was given the strength to make a way for us to be made right with God. I want to take you to those few moments before Jesus went to the cross. Jesus didn't only teach this prayer. He lived out this prayer at a critical moment in his life. And living out this prayer at this critical moment in his life is what led to the work on the cross that accomplishes our salvation. Let's take a look. He withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and praying, saying, prayed, saying, Father. Even Jesus himself, perceiving himself as the loved and cherished child of God that he was. Remove this cup from me. Okay, well, he got the request. He kind of jumped to request. But if you knew you were about to be crucified, you might jump to the request too. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Nevertheless, come on, everyone say nevertheless. Who do we need some nevertheless in our lives? Nevertheless, he got back to response. He goes, ooh, I taught him to pray this way though. Ooh, ooh, ooh. He probably didn't do that, but not my will, but yours be done. How many of you are thankful that Jesus prayed rightly? What followed, what followed, let's take a look at it. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. When God's, when Jesus' surrender went up, God's strength came down. And it's in that That's the good news. 
that Jesus died once and for all so that you and I could be saved. Thank you for listening to the Hope Church LV podcast. If you haven't done so already, go rate and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Have a great rest of your day.